0: Father, we thank you for this time together. We ask that you be with us yet again, that your spirit would be among us, in us, opening our hearts, opening our ears and our minds to receive what you'd have for us this morning. Father, I pray that you would help us to see that your scripture is a mirror to us, to reflect um, so we can accurately see where we are in relation to you and where we need to be. And I pray that you would do the work that only you can do on our hearts as you continue to move us toward the image of Christ, to reflect Him rightly and from the heart, we pray. Be with us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. We are in Exodus 33. I cannot believe that we are already to chapter 33. I never thought I would see this day that I am alive to see Exodus 33. It's amazing. All right, we are uh, starting verse 1. Remember, um what do I have in my notes? This tells you you wrote your notes too late. Remember, I like to eat fresh-baked cake while Moses was on the mountain. What in the world is going <laughs> <I> on? <don't know. laughs> I may have. I don't know what happened here. Uh, I did. It's, uh, wow. I like to eat fresh-baked cake while Moses was on the mountain. That's the first line I have written in my notes. Let's all stop for a word of prayer. I'm losing my mind. I was. I was. Oh, wow. Okay. Remember where we are, where we've come from. Uh, I don't know where to... Maybe, yeah, maybe it would. Maybe it would. What happened uh, to get us to this place? Moses has been on the mountain for forty days. He finishes up with receiving the law, uh, and as the, the last little bit of the law is being given to him by God, God tells him they have ruined it. So go down, now. They have breached the covenant already. The, the, the ink's not even dry on the stone, and they've breached the covenant. Uh, so Moses, he, he pleads for the people. God don't destroy them. God offers to make him a new nation, uh, which would be consistent with his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet, everybody at the foot of the mountain is going to be destroyed. That's God's initial statement. This is what they deserve. He pleads. He's an intercessor. He's a mediator for them. God... Uh, does not destroy them. Judgment is tempered. Moses goes down the mountain. you got to wonder if he's hoping against hope at this time. Maybe it's not as bad as God said it was. Maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're just kind of getting loose and I can whip them into shape and we'll be okay. But when he goes down the mountain, the, the, the tablets were heavy, but his heart's heavier knowing what he's about to find. And he sees... Um, he sees them uh, worshiping an idol, which is um, just like everybody else around them, just like the Egyptians they came from, doing exactly what um, everybody else does. He, he causes them to begin a trial by ordeal uh, by drinking the burnt gold dust from the from the idol that he dumped in a small brook. Remember that? And that must have been very tasty. Uh, this, this ashes of the gold idol. Um, then the people are judged. They fail the trial by ordeal. Uh, they're slaughtered by the Levites. Who's on the Lord's side? Remember that? The Levites come to Moses and he says, take your sword on your thigh. Go and kill your brother, his neighbor, his companion. And they kill 3,000 right then in the middle of the camp who are, not, who are still in rebellion. It's still going on. Then, uh, God slaughters them himself. By means it's not identified, really. He, He says he comes and he strikes the people. We're not told how many die, but we're told that it's significant enough because it quells the rebellion, but it doesn't bridge the distance between the people and God. There's still a breach of the covenant. Let's look at verse 1. We're going to read through verse 11. With milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each one would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Why would he still let them go to the land and fight their battles for them? What's going on here? He tells them, go up. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to send an angel to fight your battles for you as you go into the land. Why would he do that? What does it say? What does he say?
1: He swore it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob.
0: It's not because of what they have done, it's not because of who they are, but because of what God has sworn by his own name. We find out that he swore by his own name because he could swear by nothing higher, it says in the New Testament. What what does that mean? He would be perfectly justified in cutting this off. And yet, because of his own swearing, his own oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he says, I'm going to let you go forward, give you a land, fight your battles for you. Who made that argument, by the way? Where have we heard that argument before? Moses
2: when he was the mountain.
0: Yeah, Moses. That was the, like the third argument I think he made to God. Don't kill them. Don't destroy them. Remember your oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God is uh, condescending to this argument by my own name, by, because of my own oath. He could have fulfilled his oath another way, right? He offered to do that through Moses, but he's doing it this way. At the intercession of Moses, he's doing it this way. He honors Moses' plea, but something's different. What is it? What's different?
1: He says he was going to do it himself,
0: right? He says he was going to do it himself. Well, he said he was going to do it through an angel. Um, to, your offspring, I will give it. to your offspring, I will give it. Not to them. Interesting. And what's the other thing that's different? He's not going to go with them. What was the whole plan? What have we spent ten chapters talking about? There's Exodus 20, the law, and then we spend all this time on fleshing out the law, the covenant, through case law. Then there is this large chunk where we talk about what? What was it? The tabernacle. What's the purpose of the tabernacle? For For God to dwell where? Among them. In their midst, I will be their God. They will be my people. I will be with them. What's going on here? They've ruined it. What a heavy thing. Why does that matter? They're still going to get the land. They're still going to have their battles fought for them. They're still going to be a people... Why does that matter? Why does it matter? I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the land. I'm gonna fight your battles, but I'm not gonna be in the in the midst of you. Okay.
1: It's kind of foreshadow for what Christ is. Okay. Is Christ right now?
0: He's not physically present with us, yes, but the New Testament does talk about the Spirit of Christ being in us dwelling. In the, I mean, that, so yes, I know what you're saying, that, that there's not a consummation of the King. it
2: just chastening. I mean, he says later, those who whom he loves, he chases. Okay. And, you know, we have times where we, we're in sin, and, mm-hmm. and that fellowship is not like it can be but we're still in him.
0: So okay. I
2: kind of see that here. Though he will keep his covenant, though he will bring them to the promised land eventually 40 years later, um, right now hes they're not in his favor because of their sin.
0: He's missing. His favor is, I'm in their midst. I'm with it. But now he's missing. He's—he. We see later in this... Passage that he's outside the camp. He visits with Moses outside the camp. Could,
2: could this be a testing of where, where their hearts were to some extent? Because, I mean, if they did say, woohoo, we still get the land and the blessing, or our children do, and we don't have to deal with the God who tells us how to live. Mm hmm. Which is how a lot of people want to take God right now. Did Mm -hmm. God just give us your blessing, Mm -hmm. but we don't want you? If they hadn't mourned, I I don't know. Hmm. It's like that could be too
0: to see. As a testing of where their heart is. Their response
2: to how they responded to, I won't be with
0: you. The whole language was, I will be your inheritance. I will be your God, right? That's the whole language of the covenant. And here he has removed himself from them. The practical effect is that he won't allow them to build the temple or the tabernacle. They'll have no symbol of God's presence with his people. Define irony. A bunch of people were given instructions by God about how to build a physical sanctuary so that he would actually reside with them. They instead make a calf as a physical representation of other gods being with them. Now God threatens to remove from them the true symbol of his presence. How ironic. They exchanged the glory of God for created things. He's still angry with them. Judgment has happened, although it's been tempered with mercy. It's still happened. He's still angry with them. How do we know that from, from the passage? Yeah.
1: Well, I'm still stuck on the
0: last. Sure, sure. Um,
1: this, is a, this is a priorities list that God's given them because he, He's proving to them that He cares. More about his own glory and his own holiness than he does for his, his people. He loves his people, obviously. He's proven that 430 years ago to today. Mm-hmm. But he cares more about his own holiness.
0: Okay. And the effect that that should have on them to be holy as I'm holy, mm-hmm. right? That's that's in dealing with them. That's the that's the focus is that you need to reflect who I am. I will be your God, you will be my people. This is a reflection of his nature to, to magnify who he is among the nations. That's the deal. Why do we know he's still angry with him? How, how, what, what's the language say? He
2: said,
0: if I'm among you, I'll consume you. <laughs> yeah, it's kind, you of a, to me, kind, of a, kind of a clear thing. If <laughs> I'm among you, I'm... G- now, do you think that's a, I'm going to do this, or you can't follow this? Like, My response is, is a going to be. To
2: their, to their sin. Right. You know, he's so contrary to them that his glory will consume them. Verse five.
1: Hmm. And, what and almost, else? It almost sounds like. <laughs> I think it's really... but this is a really important passage that. A little bit about God's character, because it almost sounds like He's saying, "I've had it up to here. Mm. I need my space from you people." But I don't see anything in Scripture that would yeah. support that thought. But that's that's how it reads. I'm getting away from you because I will. There,
0: I think there's some. Of, I think there's some of that. But I also think this is a protective thing for them. You can't do this, right? You can't do this. You've proven already. That you can't go 40 days without breaking, ruining my covenant with you. Um, He calls them the people, not my people or your people. There's a distance. He describes the messenger going before them as an angel, not my angel. Just some kind of guy. And the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, it, it translates the... That the angel will drive out, he will drive out, setting up that, that the angel is the one who carries out the work, not necessarily God himself. And we don't really see that in the present translations, but that's how they, that's how they translate this in the, in the uh, Old Testament Greek, Septuagint. There's a distance here. I'll do this, but my heart's not in it. Can we say that? What's the response of the people when Moses tells them of God's threat of distance? Go ahead.
1: It seems like there's an end to his grace at that point. There's an end to his love. There's an end to his... We think of his love and grace and mercy as infinite. He's slow to anger. Right. Obviously, slow to anger has a limit. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know. I just think it's interesting if you say... Here, it looks like he's a cranky old grand. grand... Where is
0: this heading, though? What is the end of this chapter about? The end of the chapter is that incredible passage where Moses is pleading with God, don't do this. We, we don't need to go forward if you're not going to be among us. And he says, show me your glory. Remember that? God says, I can't show you my face. You'll, you'll, you'll be consumed. And he passes by him, puts him in the cleft of the rock, Rock of Ages. Puts him in the cleft of the rock. And then passes by and says, The Lord, merciful, gracious, will have mercy on those whom he has mercy, will have compassion on whom he has compassion. That great declaration of the character of God. This is the setup for that scene. I can't be among you because I would consume you. You can't do this. And the people's response, what is it? They mourned. Now, they really mourn. (laughs) They really wail and weep and, gosh, we really messed up. Maybe. It says they mourned. No one put on his ornaments. Take off your ornaments. God tells them. Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments. Why was this significant? Why is this a big deal about the ornaments? Why does God say, take them off? Why do they do it?
2: Are we talking about, like, jewelry? Right,
0: right. First of all, what jewelry are we talking about? I thought they gave everything to the calf. That right. was just
2: the earring.
0: Just the earrings. So there's additional, thank you, there's additional uh, stuff that they're, that they're pulling from. Mm-hmm. Where did they get it? it uh, How did they get it? God gave it to what did God call it? What did Moses descri- How did Moses describe that they got it? It was plundered. 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 This word stripped off is the same verb for plundered that's used earlier. Basically, the picture is they're now plundering themselves, stripping off the ornaments. Why? They're no different than the Egyptians. They have no claim to it. No, there's no distinction between them and the Egyptians based upon what they've done. We don't look any different. We don't act any differently. We don't act differently. We don't, we don't, we're not a distinct people from anyone else having God uh, as our God because of what we've done. Either way, uh, this is certainly a sign of, of mourning. It's a big deal. They don't adorn themselves from the march from Sinai onward and all their wilderness wanderings. They don't adorn themselves it says from from Mount Horeb on. this scene to the time that they get to Canaan the 40 years that it takes them to do that um, they don't wear any of this stuff it's interesting that they
2: all decided to do that i mean there doesn't no, there's no reference
0: of agreement or command right yeah well i mean god said take it off but 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 you're right that they all complied with it we don't have any more rebellious outbreaks so i'm keeping it you know i look good in this we don't have that They're all mourning. The people mourned. How did Moses respond? What did he do? He
2: took the tabernacle and built it outside the camp.
0: Now, this is not the tabernacle. But it's a tent. You're right. And and he calls it the same thing as the plans he was given, as the the plan for the tent that he was given on the mountain. He sets up a tent and calls it the tent of meeting. Where is it? outside. And what does the text say? Just outside the, you know, far off. off. Why do you think it says that? It makes a point yeah. of telling you it's far off. To
1: show the relationship.
0: He can't be near sin. He can't be near their unholiness and to show the relationship. What's the relationship? You're unholy. You're stiff-necked. You're wild cows. You become what you worship. You're wild cows. You're unruly. I cannot be among you or I would consume you. So I'm going to be... And and God doesn't tell Moses to do this. This is from what we get from the text. This is Moses' response to what God has said. Oh, but we still have to have a meeting place. Maybe, maybe, Maybe if we... Let's set it up out here. Don't be among them, but I still have to see you. I still have to meet with you. Let me meet with you here. Would this work? We're not told how this came about. I'm kind of wondering if this is Moses' response. I can't have you gone. I need to be with you. They, warn, they take stuff off. They're sad and it's big old cry time. He's, Moses is, I, I? no, this can't happen. And he builds a tent outside the camp. It's far off. There's no questioning that this is definitely far off from the midst of Israel. Um, It's a shadow of what was anticipated in the covenant. The tabernacle God had ordered was to be in the very midst of the community, not this one. Uh, In in my prep, uh, some of the smart folks have argued that, um, that Moses giving it the same name as the tabernacle was a form of ridicule for the behavior of the people at Sinai. I'm not so sure of that, uh, because of what we'll see next week. I, I see Moses building something so that God at least keeps a foot in the door, <laughs> so that we at least keep him somewhat tethered to us, so that I can plead with him for the people. There's a, I see a pastoral heart here. I don't see a, a thumbing his nose at the people, but it, it, may, it may have been. I don't know. Yeah. If you look at the Hebrew word, the word is PL, and it's the And you know,
2: where he's talking to different the people, they're destroyed because they know that we to be exterminated. Right. The same word is in Exodus 32, 10, And the same word
0: is the word for consuming when he's dealing with Moses. Mm-hmm. wants to see a story. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it is because he has to be set apart yeah. for our unholiness and yeah. our sin. Not, and yet he doesn't d- abandon them completely. There is grace. I agree with you. I think this is a sign of God's grace. And we'll certainly see it grow and become more manifest later. But for now, they see the threat of what their sin has brought. And yet, he keeps meeting with Moses. Outside. And they know he's doing it. That's how do they respond to this Moses who abandoned us. This Moses who brought us up out of Egypt. They worship when he worships. They worship when he worships. Right? They stand gosh, can you imagine emotionally what was going on when they would see him walk outside the camp to meet with God who was supposed to be in their midst? They would stand. What do you think was going on? Just put your put your foot in their sandals for a little bit. What 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 do you think was going on? Shame. Regret. Okay. What do you think? What do you think? Anything else? Yeah.
1: Um, well, going off what Laura said, that's what I was thinking about when Moses, when they first made the calf, God said, "Okay, I'm going to destroy them." Moses said, "No, do and he was interceding for them, and it's still God's nostrils are still flared, or you know, the language right. used about His anger. So He still, he, he, it said He can't be there with them because of their sin. Right. But Moses is interceding, and like His inter, through His intercession, it's drawing them closer, and
0: the mediator is bridging the gap. right? Yeah. He hasn't destroyed them. He's done judgment-tempered with mercy. He hasn't completely abandoned them. He's honored this expression, this effort by Moses to, to maintain a semblance, a shadow of what the tabernacle was supposed to be. Yeah.
2: Could you even say that, that
1: this is a, an example of, of heaven and hell? Um, so hell is the absence of God mm-hmm. in they southern morning... Because his spirit is not with him. It's, it's maybe. This, it's this idea of, maybe. Of, of a foreshadowing of hell.
0: Yeah, maybe. Interesting. Yeah, I thought of that. There is remorse too, because otherwise the idea of a clever genie looks pretty good. I'll fight your wars. I'll give you this land. Wouldn't that be awesome? You have be remorseful.
2: Otherwise, they wouldn't be excited about what goes
0: on Yeah. There's some, there's some, and I think that's another emotion maybe they were feeling is maybe contrition. Uh, repentance, brokenness over it. Maybe there's some of that. It doesn't, like it doesn't seem like they'd be worshiping. Their respect for Moses is certainly increased. I mean, the guy uh, pleads for them when God wants to destroy them, offers to give his own, blot me out of the book rather than them. Their respect for him is 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 more than it was this Moses, right? Yeah.
2: The Lord would go out to the tent meeting, mm-hmm. so it wasn't just Moses going to the tent meeting can right. say that God descended for everybody. But other people would, still would go out to meet, meet with him. they Know that they're in the wrong and they know that they need to go right. talk to God. They have to they have to go to where He is and where, and where Moses is. He's not coming.
0: And notice that the only the cloud only descends when Moses goes out there.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. God wouldn't dwell there unless
1: it was just Moses there. Right. Are you, are you questioning their the sincerity? More? Uh,
0: no, not necessarily. I just know what's coming. It's, a, it's it's fickleness, and and but for this moment, at this time, there's an increased respect for Moses. There's an increased brokenness of, of heart. Uh, there is a, a desire that, to have what the original thing was that we now see that we've lost. Maybe uh, Adam walking through the two swords as he's exiting the garden, kind of feel for what what might have been. Yeah.
1: But you see the, you know, the people as Moses leaves, they stand at attention. Mm-hmm. But Joshua's at the tent standing right. at attention while the people go back about their business. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it really an um, awe of God coming down? Mm-hmm. Or is it, you know, placed towards Moses saying, hey, you know, yeah. we're here, go ahead, you know, plead for us. Right. But if they were really seeking God, why wouldn't they be? Standing at attention
0: like Joshua was outside the tent, and 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 that's a good point. There's some some have argued that Joshua's staying at the tent was his dwelling in the presence of God at the tent. I don't think so because I think the cloud goes up and down whenever Moses comes in. Others have suggested that Joshua, as being the military commander, is actually guarding the tent so that there's not additional idolatry, chance for idolatry that goes on with the tent. Let's worship the tent rather than the presence of God in the tent. So there's some there's some issues there as to far... But you're right. Who else is guarding the tent? It's just Him. And
1: they just go back about their business instead mm. of, you know, standing at attention when God comes down.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or stay, and staying at attention yeah. whenever... Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yes, ma'am. So, it's,
2: Moses is almost made to look superhuman. Like how... It's not that God looks fickle, but the fact that Moses is standing and mediating between mm-hmm. people and God, it, it makes him... Look almost godlike, not like really. But mm-hmm.
0: how how is that possible that he is able to be in that position? Yeah. To do that and not, I, I I don't even know if I have a question. I guess. Yeah. How is how is Moses yeah. seem to look mo uh, so um, uh, steadfast, yeah. and God seems to be in and out. Yeah, yeah. And I think the issue is that he's there because God has enabled him to be the mediator for this time, to, to paint for us a picture of the mediator to come. That, that Christ is um, steadfast and that God doesn't change his nature. I mean, he responds to the prideful heart like he always responds to the prideful heart. He responds to the broken heart the way he always responds to the broken heart. He's, he's holding back his mercy here for a while. We'll see it next week how that plays out. But right now, he's showing them this is what, this is the depth of what you've done. Mm-hmm. There's judgment, there's withdrawal of my presence. Mm-hmm. What do you want?
2: And
0: Moses is the messenger. Moses is the, is the mediator of that. Yes, the, the messenger of that, the mediator of that. Um, the picture of what should be, really.
1: Yeah, so God hasn't changed at all no. his future, eternally the same. Right. It's
0: There has to be a bridge between the distance. Um, and he came to you who are far off and you who are near. For in him we both have access to the Father by the Spirit, says in Ephesians. Um, we need a mediator. God's nature doesn't change. We change. And, and yet in, in, in Christ, now, post-cross, and now we see the, 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 um, the unity in that. So, they had this new respect for him. Do you find it ironic that they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play during their time with the calf? Now they rise as Moses walks to the tent of meeting outside the camp. I found that interesting. Uh, The cloud, just just real quickly, I know we're running low on time. The, The cloud is a physical symbol of God's presence with his people. He's still with them, but now he's somewhat removed. He's not present in a holy of holies. This tent is not the tent of meeting that was envisioned under the the covenant. He he doesn't come to them and and dwell with them in the holy of holies, but he merely stops at the doorway of a tent that Moses sets up outside the camp. It's a different, completely different situation. But there's no distance with Moses, is there? How does it describe his relationship with God, Moses' relationship with God? How does it describe that? He speaks with him face to face. It, that phrase is an idiom, a Hebrew idiom, and it, and it may be part, partly in our language too. When we wanna, I don't want to text you, I want to talk face to face. There's an intimacy of relationship, right? i want to look in your eyes, see what's going on. Um, how did God communicate with Moses? Dreams, visions? He, spe- he spoke his word. He spoke words as a man speaks to his friend. All right. Chrysostom, we've kind of hinted around this. Chrysostom uh, is kind of uh, credited with saying this, to be separated from God is greater punishment than a thousand hells. I wonder if, uh, if, if, if our culture... Uh, was the one in the wilderness how we, would re- how we would respond to this really awesome situation I mean he's, he's outside he's not here making me feel bad, he's out there um, he, he's going to fight my battles when I need him right, the, the vendor god is that what you call him, the, the genie god um He's going to fight my battles when I need him. Uh, he's going to give me stuff, milk and honey, cows and bees, lots of fertile pasture land. We're going to be rolling healthcare in it. What would you say? The healthcare and junior college. Health and junior college. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, he's going to give me stuff. He's going to fight my battles. It's going to be awesome because he's out there. Um. But don't come here. Don't be in here. Don't, don't make um, obligations on my life to reflect who you are. Don't bring up the fact that I am an affront to you by how I live. Don't, don't, uh, don't make me feel bad about myself because I'm awesome. And as long as you stay out there, I remain awesome in my own mind, right? Um,
1: it's almost gone from... Uh you can't judge me. Only God can judge me to so now. God
0: can't judge. God can't judge me. He's way out there. We'll play clergy to deal with God. Right? We'll we'll offload that whole deal. We'll pay people to go talk with him. And we'll even show respect to them as they go by because you know they're men of the cloth and all of that. But don't we don't need to deal with him. Don't bring him too close. Keep him out there with the paid clergy. He should have um, He shouldn't be mentioned too much uh, or with much clarity outside of the house or the chosen place of worship. Keep him out of our politics. He should really have no say in my entertainment. Doesn't he have better things to do with all those things he's making right for me? Certainly don't worry about coming face to face with him when all of this is over. He'll forgive me. That's his job. That's what he does out there, not here. How were they distinct when they were just like everybody else, far away from him? How are they distinct? They knew why he had forsaken them. They knew it. It was very evident. He had forsaken them. He had not forsaken Moses. Face to face, as a man speaks with his friend. This is unique among the prophets, by the way. No other prophet really has this kind of experience of face to face. Well, I say no other prophet. There's one other, right? (laughs) Jesus. Always a good answer in Sunday school. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Prosthéon. Pros there is a Greek preposition that has the idea of it face-to-face, face-to-face. Um, in R.K., in the beginning, that is, eternally past, was God. In Ark from the beginning, with God, face-to-face with God. In R.K., from the beginning, was God. Always the same nature, always the same essence with God. And what happens to him? Verse 14 says, he comes and he tabernacles among us in our midst. We beheld him as one begotten from the Father, the only Son. He was innocent, yet God distanced himself to the point of why? The Israelites knew why. Jesus asked, why? Why have you forsaken me? There's no reason. He was not unruly like a cow. He was like a lamb. He was what he worshipped. He worshipped his father. Yet he drank the cup of judgment to the dregs. Why? For uh, those of us who are in Christ, we still see things differently, right? Paul talks about, now we see through a mirror dimly. But then, when he returns, how? Face to face. Face face. That's the promise. That's That's the covenant that we are under. It's coming. As a man speaks to his friend face to face. Because of the finished, completed, perfect, holy work of Christ. That's what's coming. Not in a tent, but perhaps like Adam walking in the garden with God in the cool of the day, and yet better. There is no heaven without Jesus, only hell. So the question is, where are you? Do you prefer God in the distance Or do you long to know him? For our time next week, will the distance remain for Israel? Is that going to remain? I guess we'll just have to see. (laughs) Any questions? Any comments? Yeah.
1: Is there any um, verse seven says now Moses used to take the tent? Is that just because it was written? Yeah, yeah. He's talking
0: about a, a the language there is talking about a, a pattern of dealing. This is Moses' common practice. He would pitch this out. Yeah, Chelsea.
2: Uh, <clears throat> Protecting from the presence of God, hmm. uh, and then the people—they're following suit. It so says they worship at the doors of their tents, mm-hmm. so they're being extremely attentive and doing exactly what they see Moses. doing <clears throat> mm-hmm. So there's got to be
0: some some uh, contrition. Yeah, I think I think there's some. I think you're right. I think there's some. How long it lasts, we'll we'll see. But when we get to numbers, we'll really forget this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> it becomes very frustrating. Yes. Uh,
2: speaking to Barbara's point earlier about. Moses and, and why he's, you know, it's just kind of mind boggling to see this, but he is a type and shadow of Christ. And uh, it's amazing to see that. And, you know, Deuteronomy 18 is kind of the classic um, prophetic word of Christ, but it says, The Lord will God will raise up from mm-hmm. a prophet like me yeah. from your midst, from your brother, and him you shall hear. I, and then he says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks, I will require of him. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's.
2: Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
0: and, and there we see kind of the initiation of God will continue the prophetic office, ultimately culminating in Christ. Mm-hmm. And we see that foreshadowed there. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good.
2: And I just. Caught the like me Mm -hmm. one who makes intercession, who goes before face to face, blot me out, yeah, not them, right? That's what Christ
0: did. Yeah, excellent, excellent, like me, very good. Anything else? All right, let's pray. Father, I find that the more I study uh, these first five books, the the heavier I feel many times. Um, At first read, I like to point my finger at the Israelites and say, You guys are morons. And yet, I remember my life yesterday and the day before, the day before that. How often do I exchange your glory for lesser things? What a gift we have in Christ. What a privilege we have that You have provided the one man who is the mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. The righteous one who intercedes for us and mediates the covenant He bought with His own blood. I have nothing to offer. We have nothing to offer. But you and your grace have given us Christ. And He's all we need. I pray that you bend our hearts to love Him more. To prize Him more. To reflect Him more. I pray for um, our relationships with each other that we would seek to outdo each other in in doing good to one another, to loving and serving one another as unto Christ. In spite of our tendency to trade your glory for other things, that we'd show mercy to each other as a reflection of the great mercy you've shown to us. I pray for the service that's coming. I pray that your word go forth that it be fruitful, and that repentance would happen, that joy would happen, that comfort in your spirit would happen among your people. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.